Hey guys, I just want to jump on here before the actual content starts because the website that I'm going to be talking about, the hotline.org, there's an issue going on with their website right now and the red safety X is missing. So if you are not safe and you need help, I want to give you the phone number that you can call and also how to text for assistance. This may not make any sense right now, but as you listen um, to what I'm saying at the very beginning, it should be clear what I'm talking about. And so you can come back to the beginning if you need this information. So the phone number for the hotline.org is 1-800-799-SAFE, which is 7233, 1-800-799-7233. If you would prefer to text, which was my method of contacting them, the number to text is 88788. Text the word START, S-T-A-R-T. To 88788. All right. Um, once this ends and you start listening, um, around probably total would be like the four or five minute mark, um, I will start giving my experience using this service so you can know exactly what to expect if you call them or text them. Um, I also do, I'm going to put a trigger warning right here. Once you pass, say, the six minute mark, I may talk about some things that are triggering. I try not to go into too much um, traumatic detail. I don't go to any traumatic detail on anything, um, but I did start talking about um, some of my situation and I do talk about um, identifying abuse on hotline.org. So, but the first, what I'm about to say right after this, it's about three and a half minutes long. It's very important to me. I hope that you will listen. And after that, if you need any, um, if you just wanna know what it would be like if you did decide to contact them, I will share that at the end. All right, guys, bye. Hello, anybody's welcome to the PSA. Um, this is Jin Lin. So I don't really want to lump this in with all my regular podcast episodes, so it will be different. Um, and I'm going to be reading something at the beginning, and then I'm going to share some experience um, at the end that I think might be helpful to anybody in the situation. Um, so I'm just going to read, I think I explained everything in the beginning. So, um, here we go. I am reading a prepared statement here because I really want to get this message out. But when I try to go off the cuff, I get really sidetracked. So during the depth trial, I was watching a lot of live streams, either after work or sometimes listening in the background when I was able to. A YouTuber who was on many of those streams was Rob from Law & Lumber. He did a similar PSA to this one that I'm doing right now um, for domestic violence victims, and I wanted to use my platform to do the same. The defendant's attorney, Elaine Bretterhoft, I think is her last name, um, went on several mainstream media platforms and proclaimed that the verdict was a setback for all women. This made a lot of people very angry. The only women that were set back by this verdict were those who would lie about being domestic violence survivors. I struggle to make this statement without going into my own past experiences, which I don't want to do here because it takes away from the message I'm trying to send. But the short version is that every DV survivor that I've spoken to does not see themselves in the defendant. They see themselves in Johnny Depp. So here's the message. I want to send to anyone listening 
Yeah, I totally read that wrong. It's supposed to say, here's the message I want to send to anyone listening. If you've been a victim, there's help. You will be believed. There is a reason that she was not believed. It's because her evidence did not match her claims, plain and simple. But if you are a victim, it is doubtful you're trying to sue someone to get help. You don't have to prove anything and bring a ton of evidence. All you have to do is reach out. Help is available. Rob, um, on his uh, video, promoted the hotline.org, and it is a service I've used myself. You can also reach out to your local DV shelter, and if you don't know how to do that, the hotline.org can point you in the right direction. At the end of this message, I'm going to share what it is like to do both of these things, because I know sometimes the fear is that you just don't know what will happen. You may be afraid the cops will show up at your door. They won't unless you want them to. So here's the thing. If you are in such a, such a situation, reach out. Help is there. It does not matter what your gender is. Many shelters have always gone by the term women's shelter, but they take everyone who's a victim of abuse. They will help anyone. Please do not let this case and this misguided attorney prevent you from seeking help. You will be believed. I'm pretty certain none of you have published a defamatory op-ed in the New York Post, so you're not going to be under the scrutiny that you may have witnessed during this trial. Okay, so now I'm going to, I can't believe that's only three minutes. Like, guys, I tried to do this before and it was like 45 minutes long. So that's my message right there. You can stop listening if, if that's all you wanted to, um, listen for. Um, but I've, I've used the hotline.org and I've used, uh, services of a DV shelter. So I am going to, I still do not want to go into my story because, um, I'm not concerned with anyone. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I wouldn't be defaming anyone because I have, um, I have proof like on another level for what I went through, um, including official documents arrest records. Um, and this is, I've been through more than one situation. So it's, I, I do not have any arrest records on my, the most recent ex that I've been speaking about. Let me say that, um, to make that very clear. Um, but I do have, um, I've been through this. I've been through all the things that were claimed I've been through all of it. And that's why for somebody who's just been um, watching certain media outlets, you may have gotten a completely false narrative um, from what has happened at the trial. I was completely floored. Even knowing what I know about mainstream media, I was floored by some of the headlines that I was seeing. I actually boycotted court TV for a really long time because the people they were putting on in the beginning were just ridiculous. And you could tell they were not listening to any of the evidence. And it's just, you know, it's funny to me how the tide has turned now. And like some of the same, I mean, I'm glad because I feel like they're being a lot more truthful. And let me also say this as well. I don't like the idea of, um, I just don't want to say names here. I don't like the idea of his ex being canceled. Um, and the main reason for that is because I don't want to see that backlash come back on him. 
um, because that can happen sometimes. Um, and I just want to be clear that I'm not, um, just because I don't have arrest records on people, just because you haven't had somebody arrested, doesn't, or not that you've had somebody arrested, but the situation led to an arrest, I should say. Because as a victim, if the police come and you have injuries, you don't have a choice. They're going to jail. Um, but just because you don't have that does not mean that there was an abuse present. Um, um, I've also been in a situation where I did, say, mislead the police. Because um, I didn't straight out lie. I've never straight out lied to the police, but I have redirected them to, oh, we think this is what's going on and we're trying, we're working on that, um, which was true, but I didn't, so I just avoided talking about the situation that had occurred, um, to protect the person that, you know, and I don't know that there's really even anything in that situation that I have in mind. Um, but Yeah. So anyway, what I want to point out with the whole thing is that what occurred here was something totally different. This was not a trial about domestic violence at all. It was about defamation, which was different. But the thing was that the evidence didn't match the claims. So if you, and there's also the difference here is like, there's an amount of money at stake. So there was a large amount of money at stake in the divorce. And yes, it's definitely true that people can pretend that something happened, um, to try to even for lower amounts of money. I think a lot of times it happens more often where somebody's trying to get custody of kids and make, make false claims. Um, if you're the kind of person that would do that, like you don't really need to listen because this isn't going to help you. This is all I'm telling you right here is what it's going to be like to contact those things because so, and I will also say in my situation that I was safe when I, um, contacted the hotline.org and also whenever I contacted the DV shelter. Um, I didn't realize that I qualified for it because <laughs> it's funny. Um, it's not funny, but it is, it's funny how we, if you're, if you're the victim of abuse, you're going to question everything that pops into your head. It's just how you're conditioned. It's part of the abuse. Um, they make you think that it's not as bad as it is they gaslight you to where you don't even know your head from your butt. I mean, it's crazy. And, you know, if it's mostly emotional, you may not even realize, and you may not even, you know, until much further down the line, and then you're just so confused you don't even know what to do. And if you can't get a break from the situation, it makes it even harder. Because when you can separate yourself from the situation and actually um, just have a minute to think, that's whenever you start putting these dots together. Because as long as you're around an abuser, it's when you start to put, when you start to connect the dots, they instantly like just break it, break, you know, they break your concentration and redirect you somewhere else so that you never really spend enough time thinking about any one thing. Um, so when I contacted the hotline.org, um, you can text with them. I think you can chat with them. And you can also call. Um, when you go to their website, I highly recommend just their website, which is the hotline, 
you have to type in the word the and it's .org. So the thing I like about their website is that um, there's specific examples of what constitutes each type of abuse. So um, I guess I should, I mean, I guess this whole thing will kind of have a trigger warning, but um, I am going to mention a couple um, things here. I'm not going to mention directly um, anything, but again, you know, some people like to know up front. So anyway, um, one thing that really shocked me under physical violence was one thing that's considered physical violence is if you're in a vehicle with somebody and they're driving and they get angry and they start driving erratically and carelessly, that's physical abuse. And when I first saw that, I was like, what? Cause first of all, I've been through that a lot. Um, but the reason that it's physical abuse is think about it. If somebody punches you in the head, there's a possibility that they could hit you just the right way and they could really injure you or kill you. Like kids get uh, playing baseball, get hit in the chest with a baseball and have a heart attack. So, I mean, like, if someone's action can directly lead to your death, you know, it's, but when it's in, if it's, you know, it can be negligence with, you know, like the baseball thing, obviously somebody's not trying to kill you. It was an accident. But if there's actual intent there, like they're trying to scare you and then it happens, that's, yeah, it is. So that was a shocking one to me. And then the other one, I'm going to talk about essay. I'm not going to say anything specific. I'm not going to say anything more than essay. And I'm just going to say this one thing. So, um, coercive control is also a thing. And it's to me, because I've experienced that to me, it's not on the same level as other forms of that, because this is a thing where you kind of the way that I understand it, like what it means to me when I say coercive control in regards to essay is, um, like you didn't want to, but you, you didn't say no, you just were like, whatever, or fine. Um, so, but that is a form of abuse, um, because you should not be constantly over and over again. Um, you shouldn't have to continue to say no until you just finally get so sick of it that you say yes. You shouldn't have to do that with any, with any matter, like getting, it could be financial abuse. They could be trying to get you to spend money that you don't have to spend. And they just keep bothering you and bothering you about it. So they're just like, whatever. Um, so that's a helpful thing from the website. There's a lot of just helpful information. The other thing I want to talk about with that is there's a little X in the top right corner. If at any time you, you know, your abuser is walking by while you're looking at it or just somebody that you don't send their business. If you click that little X, it will... Um, very quickly take you to like, um, like the weather channel or something. It takes you like a weather site or like, a. sometimes they, 
I don't, I think the hotline.org takes you, let me look it up on my iPad. I think the hotline.org takes you to the weather channel. Um, I think my local DV shelter takes you to, um, like a fake news site or something. I mean, it's not fake. It's just, um, okay. So it says security alert. Internet usage. This is what pops up when I go here. Internet usage can be monitored and is possible to erase, is impossible to erase completely. If you're concerned your internet usage might be monitored, call us at, and they give you a phone number. Learn more about digital security and remember to clear your browser history after visiting this website. Click the red X in the upper right corner or escape button on your keyboard twice at any time to leave the hotline.org immediately. Um, Oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm totally going to give you guys that phone number in just a minute, just in case. Um, so you don't even have to come to the website. I didn't think about that. That's a good idea. Um, okay. Where's the X? Um, okay guys, you're not really doing a good job if the X is not even here. Maybe it's, let me just go to get help. Maybe it's only on certain pages. Ew, I'm not liking this. The X is not here. Let me see if the X is somewhere. Guys, what's going on? The X, I wonder if it's just not showing up. Wow. You know what it might be? Um, okay, so I'm definitely going to contact them later and let them know, at least on iPad, the X is not showing. Let me try to do this on my phone. I do have a keyboard attached to my iPad, so let me try to, oh, I don't have escape on my iPad. Well, goodness, this is not, it's not cool. Okay, let me give you the, let me give you the, um, the phone number. It's 1-800-799-SAFE-7233. 1-800-799-SAFE-7233. All right. This time we're experiencing unusually high call and chat volume. Wait times to connect may be longer. Well, I mean, it's actually kind of cool. Um, let me go to identify these. Okay. They've got to fix this. There's no X. Where is the X? <sighs> this is crazy. I can't believe that it's missing. Okay, guys, so at this time, um, please do not go to the site if you're not safe because the red X is missing from the hotlines. 
Um, okay, let me give you guys the text number as well, and I hopefully I'll remember to put these in my um, in my description. Okay, so if you text the word start S T A R T to eight eight seven eight 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 seven eight eight text the word start to that number and it will connect you now I attempted to chat with them before and um, it just took a really long time to do the chat so I'm a, give me just a second. I'm trying to, and they do ask you, so, okay, here's the questions that they're asking me. Um, what screen name do you want to use in an already populated survivor? Are you in crisis? No. How old are you? What's your gender? What's your race or ethnicity? How did you hear about us? I don't think you have to answer all of those things. Um, Please try our chat again later. So it's not even letting me. Wow, that's crazy. Um, let me try to send a message. I really don't, there's no contact other than. Um, man, I just. I hate that that's going on. Okay, so let me just, I'll talk to you guys a little bit about what they'll do. So, like I said, they do ask you about whether or not you're safe. And um, they will ask you, um, they ask you that identifying, this. it's not identifying information. The stuff that they ask you about is so that they can keep it for records and it helps them to get funding um, to show and it also helps for domestic violence statistics, um, you know, both who's reaching out for it and because that helps, you know, when you know that kind of stuff, it helps you get your message around the right groups of people. So um, now from their website, they will help you come up with a plan. Um, the person on text will also do the same thing. They will try to help you figure out, um, the best way to, uh, like they, I don't know. They just have a way of doing it. Like they ask you certain questions. Like, do you have this type of support, this type of support? Like, do you have a person who could, so like, if you have children, it'll be like, do you have a person who could watch your children while you did this? You know, do you have, and stuff like that. And so, um, the other thing is, one thing I would prepare you for is, especially if you're, if you're unsure about what you're going through, if it's abuse, they will help you identify whether or not you're an abuse victim. Um, if you, um, the one thing I would prepare you for is to be prepared to be believed. And the reason I say that is because, and be validated. A lot of times people that are, that go through this, we don't have experience with our feelings being validated. 
Um, they will also say things to you like, you are the expert in your situation. So if you're not comfortable with the suggestion that I make to you, then no one's expecting you to do it. You do what you feel safe doing because you know your situation better than anybody. So as an example, I was advised by an attorney in one situation to get a TRO, just like in that trial that she says that she was advised to do. I chose not to because I felt that it would be more of a threat to my safety than it would have helped anything. So all of those things, nobody can decide that for you. You're the only person that knows what's going on. But what they can do, so like some of the things that you may be questioning, is this, you know, is driving around in the car with me dangerously abuse? They're going to let you know. Yeah. You can tell them things you've experienced. There's also like a lot of like really helpful ideas that they gave me. So like in certain areas, different ways of defending yourself may be illegal and they can tell you things that have been successful. Like just, I mean, even like, oh, your back door is glass. Do you have a piece of furniture that you could put in front of that? Like if, like if your abuser comes back to the house and your children are there, coming up with a word that everyone knows that you can use if, um, if something happens, that's just something that you could say that everyone who, um, knows your situation would know what you meant by that. And I did, I had that set up with, um, so my, um, I don't want to, I, I don't want to bring in a lot of detail, but, um, people who needed to know, people who need to know if I say this run and go follow out the plan to get to safety. Um, if I call you on the phone and I say this word, it means I need your help. So I told the people that, and it was something I didn't think of to do on my own. So those kind of things are really helpful. Um, they will also find you resources. So like you may be like, I don't know where a shelter would be. Um, so let's talk about the shelter. Now, again, I was safe when I was using these services. So, um, I did not know, I don't know exactly, exactly how it works, but I do know, um, so when I would go, so I was receiving services from the shelter, like counseling and things like that. You can get legal, you can get legal help and things like that. But when I would go to my counseling appointments, they have these big vans there. And those vans are for them to go and pick up people and their stuff, what they can get out with and bring them back to safety. Um, the, so when you call them, you know, they have to vet people. They have to, because, um, abusers are crafty and it's not just men. You know, women can be abusers too. So, um, they have to make sure that the person is who they say they are and what's going on. So they would do ask some questions. And then if you're requesting services, of course, they have to take down your information. Um, 
and typically the locations of these places are kept secret. Um, I know that's the case with my local DV shelter and um, they also have like cell phone blocking so um, I know my shelter actually has um, on Google if you um, if you try to look it up like let's say that somebody's following you and they see you go right to this place and then you stop um, in Google it's it's kind of a weird situation if you look up the shelter itself it doesn't give you doesn't tell you where it's at if you know where the shelter is and you look it up on Google Maps it says that it's a school so like like a district school building or something like um, so um, and when you go there um, I don't know. I mean, other places may be different. Every, everything's going to be a little bit different from what I'm telling you. But, um, when you go there, the door has a, um, a button that you push and there's a camera and somebody will come on and ask what you want. What do you want? And, uh, you just tell them who you have an appointment with and then they let you in and everybody gets buzzed in that way. So, um, in mine, I don't know, like, there's not, you know, I never really noticed it before, but it's, it feels a lot like a bunker when you go in there, and I didn't really think about it, but, like, there's no windows in the front part. I mean, there's windows, like, in the door, but it's not the kind of window you could break. It's, like, a very narrow window where you can see out, can't really see in. There's not really any way, like, somebody couldn't just take, like, a chair and break a window and get in there. Like, it's, it's really um, protected from that. So um, when you do go in for the first time, you have to fill out paperwork and they do require you to give them a description of your abuser. Um, now, if you're going with services from a place like that, I don't, and you're like, and you actually have an ongoing um, thing and maybe you haven't called the police or whatever um, and the person's just out there, um, I don't know if they have any requirements about getting the police involved. I don't know that, but you can ask them and they will tell you, they're not going to hide anything from you. Um, but you will have to give a description of your abuser and that's to keep everybody safe. So if that person shows up or if that person's pretending to be a maintenance person, and you know, I mean, that wouldn't just, it wouldn't just work like that. They'd have to actually have somebody. I've been there before when they had like, um, somebody fixing their copiers or something. Um, they have stuff like childcare. So like if you're trying to get a job, um, they will help you with payments on housing. And I mean, there's so much assistance. They will help you with legal stuff. They will, um, they can send somebody just to go to court with you, just to be there for you. Um, and just a lot of stuff like that. Um, so, um, it is definitely, um, there's help out there and it can be scary to reach out for the first time. Um, you know, in my situation, like I set up an appointment 
and my appointment was like a couple weeks out because it was kind of, it was a busy time. Um, and I was safe. So, I mean, it's different. If you call and you're like, I'm not safe, it's going to be a different response than if you are. Um, and just because you're safe, just because your abuser is not around you anymore, they still provide services because if you've been through trauma and you have stuff you're working through, you know, sometimes you can get away from the abuser, but you have no skills because they've kept you from, uh, you know, you weren't allowed to go to school and things like that. So like they have so many things to help you. Um, and sometimes people just don't even realize, you know what the funny thing is? Not funny thing, but like the first time that I ever used the hotline.org, they told me then to get in contact with the shelter and I didn't do it because I didn't think what I'd been through was bad enough. And I think I went off on that, started to go down that road before, but didn't quite make it there. Um, I've heard people that, that, you know, still say, you know, we don't know everything that happened behind closed doors with the Johnny Depp trial. And it's possible that she did go through some of the stuff that she said, but then she embellished it to the point where nobody could, where her evidence didn't back up her claims anymore. So what I'm saying is if, if she had gone up there and told my story and had the evidence that, I mean, like I said, I don't know. One of her pictures matches something that happened to me, but it didn't happen the way, like what she said happened. You should have two swollen eyes and not be able to, like it doesn't match what she says happened. It just does not. Um, and so, but if she had that picture and said my story, that's a hundred percent abuse. And somebody would have been like, okay, you know, it might've been like, well, that's not that bad. It wasn't that bad, but it still was not okay. And that wasn't the only thing that happened. Um, but yeah. So, however, the only thing I will say about that picture and the picture I'm talking about is the picture of her when she went to get the TRO. <laughs> In my situation, that was actually, my bruise was up on my, the orbit of my eye because there's a bone right there where the skin would push against and it would, you know, something from the outside hitting the bone on the right there is going to cause a bruise. Where her bruise is, is down on the, the pad part of her cheek. Like I'm, I'm feeling that area right now. If you look really closely, there's a head on her bruise, like a pimple head on the bruise. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. My bruise did not have a pimple in the middle of it, except sometimes I do get bruises like that. It's when I have a pimple and I actually try to squeeze it. Um, I've actually had bruises that look exactly like what she has in that picture, but it was caused by me. Um, and that's just an observation, but I did have a similar, like small thing like that. And, um, Oh, I guess trigger warning. So, um, my, my abuser liked to throw me out of our room 
by pulling the pillow out from under my head and throwing it across the room. I started to learn when he was going to do that. And so this one time when he went to pull the pillow out from under my head, I held onto the pillow so that he couldn't throw it. And I, that was my first time ever, like, cause like up to that point, all he had ever done was take my pillow out from under my head and throw it across the room. That's all he had ever done. I mean, he'd thrown things and broken things, but like he hadn't ever physically put his hands on me. So I didn't know what was going to happen when I did that. Um, so when he couldn't pull the pillow out from under my head, it, he flew into a rage and he came around my side of the bed and he was going to physically remove me from the room. Well, I was just like, well, I'm not, I mean, all I thought he was going to do is pick me up. I wasn't, and that's probably is what he was going to do at that point. But I was like, I don't. I'm not leaving. Like, I'm not going to go sleep on the couch because he's being a butthole. I'm not doing that this time. Keep in mind, I had never been, he'd never physically done anything. He'd never even tried to pick me up or anything like that. He came around to the side of the bed and he attempted to pick me up and I was not helping. So I was just dead weight, but you know, your legs have hinges and stuff. So when he lifted up his arm under my head and under my knee, he drove my knee into my face. And that's what caused the bruise. So, um, and then, and that's, I'm going to end it at that. Um, because I wasn't helping him pick me up. He couldn't actually pick me up. It got, it got worse after that. Um, but I'm not, I'm going to stop it there. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to do it to myself either. Really re go through it again. Cause I'm already starting to, yeah. So anyway, um, so there were, I, there wasn't any more like, punching or hitting after that, but I guess just, it got scarier is the way to say it. Um, I don't, I don't remember how that ended. Um, but I do know that I had, um, like a worse bruise than she had there. But like, if it was as many days after she says, then I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I guess I have to put a roll like, yeah, but I'm going to, I, I really did. This is why I had to do that recorded part at first, because this is what was happening every single time I, I tried to record the first part. So hopefully people just stop at that first part. No one's even listening anymore, but I just wanted to, um, so yeah. And that was the first, um, in that situation that happened. And of course I explained it away with, well, I was, if I hadn't, <laughs> so stupid. If you're thinking things like this, this is stupid and stop. You're being abused. Go get help. Get rid of this idiot in your life. Okay. I was sitting there going, well, if I hadn't, you know, if I hadn't been trying to not get picked up, then I wouldn't have got hit with my own knee. So he, it's not like he really meant to do that. It doesn't matter what they meant to do. When somebody goes to the point of putting hands on you, whatever happens as a result of that is their fault. And because they couldn't control themselves, that's why it happened. So, um, but so I kind of explained that situation away and I believe it was probably like the very next week that, um, led to a really big, incident where, you know, 
there was no coming back from. I did leave after that. Um, and believe it or not, there was actually a third incident, um, which did lead to, I never got a TRO, but I did get an ex parte order on custody after the third incident. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, but anyway, um, and I was never advised to get a TRO in that case, but I was advised in another relationship to get a TRO, which I chose not to. I think I already said that because I feared for my safety. Um, but here's the thing. Stop second guessing yourself. Cause here's, here's the other part of it. If you think it's abuse, it most likely is. If you're sitting there going, is this abuse or not? Cause when it's not, you don't ask yourself those questions. And, you know, emotional abuse is abuse as well. Um, it's not typically the kind that people associate with like reaching out and getting, um, getting help from shelters and stuff like that. But in in my support group, there's so many women, most of the women in my, the support group that I'm a part of is not for domestic violence. It is for emotional abuse. Um, most of the women in my group have not ever been physically assaulted. Some of them have like, but there's, it's a very small percentage of us going through that. Most of us, it's just emotional abuse that we've been through. And most people, if you, Typically, if you're a domestic violence, if you're in a domestic violence situation, there's also emotional abuse going on and maybe other types of abuse as well. Um, I've been in a relationship that was, I had another relationship that was definitely financially abusive. Um, it wasn't super emotionally abusive. It really wasn't. There's a lot of manipulation and I would say that that person was most likely a narcissist. Um, but being in that relationship after being in a physically violent situation, having that relationship afterwards, I really didn't, there's a lot of stuff I didn't pick up on there. And because I thought that was just, so there's definitely issues that I needed to deal with. I, it, this is a thing that you can get into. And so if you've ever been, if you've ever been in a, a situation that was physically abusive and then you left and then you got into another one that just wasn't that great. What I, my tendency was to always compare it to the worst example. And I think that's the thing because it was one of my very first relationships that was so bad that I have a tendency to compare everything to that relationship. And so if I'm not having to call the police on you, then it must not be that bad. That's not a good test. <laughs> So I would caution you if you've been in a relationship like that before and maybe you got into another one where there's not any physical violence, but you still like something seems off, that could be what's going on. Because if you never dealt with whatever let you miss all the red flags in the physically violent relationship, you're probably going to miss all the red flags in an emotionally abusive relationship. And I promise you now looking back, you can see what they are. Um, 
And anyway, so um, some people might choose to stay in, but here's the, this is the other part of it. If you, some people are like, okay, I recognize that my relationship is emotionally abusive, so I'm going to stop allowing this to happen. Like if you're being called names, especially if you're being called names in front of your children, if you're being um, yelled at, if you're like constantly, there's stuff that like you have a conversation or you have an argument and it starts out about one thing, but then at the end you're apologizing for something and it doesn't even have anything to do with the original argument. Um, that's gaslighting and that's somebody realizing that they're doing something wrong and taking the stuff off of them. So if you have been in situations where they criticize you for something and you actually took steps to make changes and maybe you successfully made changes, but then there was something else and then there was something else and there's something else, you're being gaslit and that's an emotionally abusive relationship. And this is the thing about it though. Sometimes when you figure out how to handle those situations, when you stop taking away consequences for somebody that's being an enabler, codependent. Um, you stop taking away their consequences when you set boundaries and say, that was the first thing that I did um, when I realized that I was in a, an emotionally abusive relationship. Again, when you start setting boundaries, there's going to be pushback because you're changing and they don't want you to change. They want to keep you manipulated and all that stuff. So the caution here is that you are prepared for pushback because sometimes something that's just been purely emotional and that's not working for them anymore, you know, especially if you've had somebody who does punch holes in the walls and they're mad or throws things, they do, there could be more potential there for them to get physical if you take away what their, their tool that's been working for them. It's not to say sit there and take it because you shouldn't. And maybe it is a situation that you just need to get out of. Um, so I know this was supposed to be about my, um, my situation, my um, things dealing with um, the hotline and local DV shelter, but I did kind of get off track. But that's fine because I put all the good information up front so that it's there for anybody. And look at that. It's still at 45 minutes. I'm going to go ahead and stop now. And I'm also going to make this live. I think what I'm going to do is just put the numbers at the beginning of the message instead of putting them at the end. So that's the plan.